0: And welcome back to another edition of the Canal Street Chronicles podcast. My name is Shem Hanks. I am your host. I am only going to be doing one show this week. We're at Thanksgiving. We got Thursday night game. So we're just going to do one show. We're going to combine some news. We're going to combine some notes. And then we're going to talk about injuries at the end. So next week marks the three-quarters point of the NFL season. All teams will be through 12 games. At that point, we'll kind of recap where we're all at. Uh, Statistically, where are we at with the Saints team, who's been the best offensive player, who I think we can all guess who that's going to be. Shout out to Michael Thomas. But far more competitively on the defensive side, maybe look at who the MVP threw the first 12 games of the season 13 weeks will be as well as who the defensive player of the year is and who the offensive player of the year is as well. Odds are that is still going to be Christian McCaffrey. But, you know, a lot can change in an NFL week. And that's why those conversations, those debates are so much fun because each week they change. Until you get to that final week of the season, you can look back at a full body of work and see where guys are at. And I do think things like MVP, Defense Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, very important. It's important for legacy. It's important for building out that Hall of Fame resume, as well as things like Pro Bowl berths and All Pro berths. And with that, Pro Bowl berths, we can vote. I don't know about you. I try to vote almost daily thinking about who my Pro Bowlers are. Uh, certainly there are quite a few pro bowlers on this Saints team Michael Thomas Ryan Ramshack for sure defensive side looking at Cameron Jordan looking at Marcus Williams Von Bell Demario Davis is going to have a rough go of it they put him in with the edge rushers and that's going to be a tough lineup to crack But with that, I am going to talk just briefly about where we are in terms of the standings. So let's just look at the NFC real quick, where the Cowboys and the Eagles are in a battle to win the NFC East. Looking out west, you got the Niners and you got the Seahawks battling it out. Uh, Seahawks could jump the Niners, but looks like the Seahawks are going to be a wild card team barring a collapse. And then right now, the Packers and the Vikings are tied, once again, looking like the NFC North is going to produce the other wildcard team. If there is a collapse, the Rams appear to be in the best shape to capitalize with the Bears and the Panthers a step behind them. But looking at that NFC South, Saints 9-2, and two, Panthers 5-6. and six. And that brings me to the first point that I want to make. Where on Thursday night, against the Falcons, the Saints have the opportunity to clinch the NFC South division title. In week 13, they are poised to clinch a divisional title. There are also two other teams that could clinch a playoff berth. New England, they need to win, and Oakland and Pittsburgh one of them to lose and then with the Niners they need to win and the Rams need to lose but we're not talking about a playoff berth we're talking about clinching the division where if the Saints just win like they win they get it they also have an opportunity if they tie and if Carolina loses but man just you win the game and you clinch yet another NFC South division title I was here two weeks ago talking to you all about the Falcons, about how the Saints were a double-digit favorite against them, how they had to do work. It was a divisional rival. I get it, but you had to make that game a win. They took a bad loss. Then the Falcons bounced back, beat Carolina pretty handily, and you're like, oh, maybe this, this Falcons team is a little bit more than what we're giving them credit for. This defense has found their own. Uh, they've really rallied around Dan Dan Quinn. But then they lose to Tampa Bay at home. I don't know what this Falcons team is. I don't know which Falcons team is going to show up on Thursday night. But all I'm going to say is Saints, go out there, handle your business. Get mad that you were embarrassed at home and then go on national TV in front of the country on Thanksgiving and crush them. Go out and crush your division rivals. Michael Thomas, have a big game. Marcus Davenport, you were dynamic in that fourth quarter. Go out. Ball out. More importantly, Saints, get Alvin Kamara into the end zone through only one touchdown through 12 weeks. Got to do better than that. Granted, he was out for a couple of those weeks. You got to get your stud touches. You got to let him see pay dirt. Got to get him in the end zone. And so a veteran quarterback like Breeze, a veteran coach like Peyton, they're going to be looking at that and knowing, all right, we got to get Kamara at this point where he is getting hot going into playoff season. And to do that, got to get him into the end zone. Looking at that Panthers game, it's been something I've been bringing up the last couple of weeks, looking at Drew Brees and if he's able to push the ball down the field. And I have good news for you all. Breeze was able to. He completed three passes beyond 20 yards down the field, getting a touchdown and 74 yards. So good job for Drew. But something that stood out to me was whether it be Latavius Murray, the Taytrain, or Alvin Kamara, they were really focusing on running that ball to the right side, which is smart because one of the biggest notes of the last week is Taron Armstead is going to be out for a little bit. We don't know how long. It's an ankle injury. Those can be pesky where you've seen guys come back after a week, tough it out. You've also seen ankle injuries like that put them on the sideline for eight weeks. And that's where the importance of Ryan Ramshack comes into play. I love Ryan Ramshack coming out of college. It blew my mind that he fell as far as he did. Per Stats, LLC... Ramshack has yet to allow a sack this year. He's looking like an anchor for a decade to come at right tackle. Smart of the team, run it off that right side, lead with Ramshack. You've got Band-Aids on the left side. Continue to play to your strengths. The only other thing that I'll say about, no, actually, I'm going to say two things about that Carolina game. First thing, when I got into work on Monday, a buddy of mine, he's not a Saints fan. His wife is a Saints fan. He is an L.A. Chargers fan. But he said, as somebody who really had no vested interest in that game, it was one of the best games that he had watched this year. Where If you are a Saints fan, you're frustrated about some stuff that happened. But from a general football perspective, it was a great game and great that the Saints came out with a victory. And Joey Sly missed a potential game winning, even though the Saints would have got the ball, so I'm not sure. Just let's just say he missed a field goal with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. A stat that popped out to me was he had a 93.5% chance of making that 20-yard field goal, or the easiest field goal to be missed this season. That is according to Next Generation Stats, so the future in Carolina is not looking good for Joey Sly. I know that they were bringing in kickers for their practice squad, even though he started out the season pretty hot, but, whew, yes, he cooled off. Speaking of guys who started out the season hot, Leo Jones has zero receiving touchdowns in his last eight games. Zero. And he will be coming up on our injury report, but should he play, something to also keep in mind is that DJ Moore was the first player to have a 100-yard receiving game versus the Saints secondary since week five. Which is also remarkable considering that the best corner, arguably the best defensive back on the Saints team, has been out for the month. So hats off to you. DJ Moore is having a good year. So no shame in that, but you got to prepare for Calvin Ridley and potentially Julio Jones. As I was saying, Pro Bowl All-Pro left tackle Terran Armstead is not going to play this week. We don't know how many weeks he's going to be out, but definitely not going to play this week. And Patrick Omame, I hope that I'm saying this right. And if I'm not, I apologize came in and filled in for Armstead in Sunday's game. It'll be interesting to see if the seven-year veteran will be the one starting at left tackle for him. Omame has played for a variety of different teams, including Tampa Bay, Chicago, the Jags, and the Giants before ending up here in New Orleans. So hopefully he plays well, cuts down on important holding penalties, but I think it's going to go back to game plan where you understand that that left side now you're you you don't have two of your best players over there and so putting them in a position to succeed those replacement players in a position to succeed is going to be incredibly important going forward all right let's look at the injury report for this week so far we've only had two days of practice monday tuesday a lot will be a lot will be telling from the Wednesday report, so take this with a grain of salt, but let's start with guys who were practicing. Two of them, huge, huge contributors, huge great to see that they're progressing. Both were limited participants on Monday and Tuesday, and that's Marshawn Lattimore and Deontay Harris coming back from those pesky hamstring injuries. Both are looking in position to play on Thursday night. Obviously, Pete and Armstead aren't practicing. Zach Line also was a DNP, not looking good for Thursday, unfortunately, with a knee injury. Will Clapp showed up on the injury report on Monday as a DNP with a back injury, but was a limited participant on Tuesday. So backup interior lineman Will Clapp looks poised to play on Thursday night. Looking over at Atlanta, their injury report is far more extensive. So Matt Ryan and Camille Ishmael, both full participants on Monday and weren't even listed as injury designation on Tuesday whatsoever. Desmond Trufant, Devontae Freeman, and Tyler Davidson all were limited participants on Monday and then full participants on Tuesday. Two names from that group that mean a little bit more to this Atlanta team is Desmond Trufant and Devontae Freeman. Both looked poised to play on Thursday night. Both big contributors, going to be factors in this game for sure. Sherrod Niesman and Tack McKinley were also both limited participants on Monday and then limited participants on Tuesday. Having Tack McKinley for this Atlanta team is pretty big, as we know that they their pass rush really crushed the Saints when they played a few weeks ago. And so having another good defensive lineman going up against a couple of backup offensive linemen for the Saints, whew, maybe want to have a tight end chipping for a while, or keep Kamara and Murray in to keep Breeze standing up on that left side. Defensive back Jordan Miller missed a Monday practice with an illness, but has bounced back and was a full participant on Tuesday. There were three DMPs on both Monday and Tuesday for the Falcons. The first one was Luke Stocker, who's a tight end, but he is not the tight end that most people have been looking at as, oh, is he going to play? And that's Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper is the other tight end where he has become a game changer at the tight end position. He is what we call a post-hype sleeper where he was definitely a breakout guy this year for Atlanta. Not bad when you're only single coverage the entire game because everyone's trying to double team Julio Jones while also accounting for Calvin Ridley and a pretty decent running back. So Austin Hooper has so far really embrace the opportunity that was presented to him, and is not looking good for Thursday night. Same with Julio Jones. Julio Jones has not practiced on Monday or Tuesday. Wednesday is going to be telling. If he is a limited participant on Wednesday, same with Hooper, then you fully expect them to play on Thursday night. But if they continue to be DMPs, I do not expect them to play against New Orleans. All right, I'm going to give you a couple pieces of news and notes from around the NFL having to do with quarterbacks. Looks like Detroit will be on their third quarterback of the year on Thursday morning with David Blow, rookie out of Purdue, having to start because of injuries to Jeff Driscoll and obviously Matthew Stafford's back has been out for the majority of the month. (laughs) So an undrafted rookie gets to have his first career start against the Bears. What could possibly go wrong? And it looks like Duck Hodges will be starting in place of Mason Rudolph, the struggling Mason Rudolph, against the Cleveland Browns. I just like being able to say Duck Hodges. And if you've been watching football this year, you know that the Baltimore Ravens are really, really good, where so far defensive coordinators haven't figured out a way to stop Lamar Jackson. One of the main reasons for their success outside of the dynamic and unique play of Lamar Jackson has been the success of their running game as well as their passing game, giving Lamar Jackson time to get it to his variety of tight ends as well as Marquise Hollywood Brown. To do that, you have to have a good line led by a great center, and one of theirs, Matt Skura, Season is over. He has been put on injured reserve. So something, something to watch if you're watching the Ravens play this week. All right, everybody. I'm going to be back with you all next week. Enjoy the holiday. Eat a lot. Give back to somebody. Express to people that you are thankful for them. Always look at the good things that you've got in life and be thankful for them as well. So with that, hopefully we'll be watching a big win on Thanksgiving. I'm going to be watching with a Falcons fan, unfortunately. So hopefully the Saints get a win. With that, who dat? Talk to you all next week. Bye.